welcome to Unraveling Midlife. I'm your host, Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me as I explore my own midlife by speaking with inspiring people about theirs. The definition of midlife I'm using relates to Western astrology transits that run from the mid-30s to the mid-40s for everyone. Each of these transits has an overall theme, though the details do vary by generation and by person. Our last episode explored these deeply. And in the show today, we dive into another topic dear to my heart, Kirtan. That's generally spelt K-I-R-T-A-N, but more specifically reflecting its Sanskrit origin, K-I-I-R-T-A-N. Sometimes translated as joyful chanting, Kirtan is the music aspect of yoga and has become more and more popular in the West in recent years. It is group singing that's a form of spiritual practice, melodic chanting of mantra in Sanskrit or other Indian languages. In Kirtan, there is often a leader who does the call, and the group responds. Today's guest is ethnomusicologist Joshna Latrobe. She has studied the origins of Kirtan, holding both a master's and a doctorate in the study of rar music. An accomplished musician and Kirtania, as Kirtan leaders are sometimes called, Joshna has an astounding number of albums to her repertoire, and not only in Kirtan. She is the founder of the Kirtan Academy, including online open mic nights for all you budding Kirtanists out there. Joshna has been leading Kirtan for years worldwide. Here in little old New Zealand, she united many different traditions of Kirtan by coordinating a Kirtan stage for a number of years at a festival, which is how we met. And I feel it noteworthy for anyone who has sung Kirtan at any of the larger conscious festivals in the last few years in New Zealand that we have Joshna to thank for helping to grow Kirtan to what it has become today. I'm honoured to be able to talk to Joshna on Unravelling Midlife and equally as honoured that I got to talk on her podcast as well and I'll make sure that there are links in the notes. Well welcome Joshna, it's so great to have you here on Unravelling Midlife. Um, I know that we have crossed paths uh, quite a bit with Kirtan in the past yeah. but you have a really broad range of I'm mean, I'm sure I'm going to find out new stuff but I know that you've you've got ethnomusicology and deep research into this style of music but first of all can you give us the definition so those that have never heard the word kirtan know what it is sure and, and thank you so much for inviting me I really appreciate it um, yeah, kirtan, very simply put, means is from the Sanskrit word kirt, which means loud. So it's actually praise singing sung loud, praise music sung loud. So kirtan is is not just actually it's not just singing. It's comes within the purview of samgita, which means dance, instrumental music, and singing. So it's praise music performed loud. Ah. It's a definition of ket, because ket means loud in Sanskrit. Wow. What drew you into ketan, which is such a big part of your life, and and then later we'll go, what well, what what else do you do you do? Is ketan everything? Yeah, no, no, ket, no, ketan came to me when I was about eighteen. 
But before that, you know, I've been making music from a very early age. So it came to me as something very special when I sort of embarked on the path of meditation and yoga. I didn't know anything about it beforehand, nothing at all. And in fact, my first experience of Kirtan was like, oh my God, what's this? You know, it was a whole group of people in a room singing and dancing and playing instruments and a lot of it was out of tune and it was, wow. On the one hand, it was like, you know, a bit overwhelming. But on the other hand, I felt it in my soul. I felt it internally. And so I was able to just forget all of those musical things and just jump into it. But um, it, it was... It's become a very a very important part of my life, as from about that age when I sort of started to do meditation and yoga, because it is part of the yogic path, part of the yogic path. Mm, it is, and it's just occurred to me that where I was introduced to singing Sanskrit, we didn't call it kirtan, and that was probably very apt because the temple at the ashram I lived at had the kind of acoustics that if you did anything really loud, it was too much. So, yeah. um, so we called them pajans. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. And so you've studied Kirtan like at an academic level as well, haven't you? Yes, because I was led to it because my master's was on um, the music culture of Ra in India, and that area is like a gold mine of music and indigenous music. And so I did like a purview of the whole, all the genres in that region. And one of those genres, one of the five main genres, was kirtan. So that was the last one I studied. And the very last experience I had was of a, um, a Rari kirtan group doing kirtan. And I had what you might call a really transformational experience just listening to it. And I had no expectations at all. I had no experience of what it was going to be like. But it was so ecstatic. It's so powerful. It was like all the hair in my body stood on end and I was crying and I didn't understand what was going on for me. But that was my really first experience of what they call the supra ascetic science of Ketan and I understood that they had it, that they had it. And they. Um, and so that was at the end of my master's and um, I just knew I had to go and go deeper into it and so I went and did a PhD on the Ketan of Ra just on that particular genre. Can you say more about the supra? Aesthetic science. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, a definition uh, given by my guru, um, Sri Sri Anandamurti, but it wasn't something that I understood at all until after that experience. And even after that experience, I still couldn't have explained it to you. So you could say it's taken me the last mm, 20 years to really get to grips with that definition, what that actually really means. And um, it'd be very hard to put it into words. But it's interesting that the, the, the part supra is in the beginning. Supra means transformational, transcendental, going beyond. And so this is a kirtan. This is a musical science, aesthetic science, that takes you beyond what one would normally experience, even with aesthetic um, experiences so it's transformational it's transcendental it's ecstatic it's all of those things and but there's a reason why it is like that there is a science behind it that can take you to that place it's not just 
it's not only spontaneous, there's a lot behind it. And that's what I was studying. How do they actually make that? How do they create that experience in somebody who has no experience in Ketan, you know, or very little? That was my research. Wow. Did you meet anyone who'd had that ex experience with Ketan? All of us. Basically everyone who came from the West who hadn't had hadn't been to Ra and came to uh, to listen to the music or whatever had that same experience because it works. Specific to that region or is it something that I know it's kind of like I'm asking you to explain the unexplainable almost. Do other people does that experience happen outside of the area where Ra comes from as well? That um, you know, I can only really speak about Ra, although you know I have have had that some kind of experience like that with other kinds of Ketan. Um, but this particular region is known as the homeland of Ketan. It's the area where Ketan's been developed for a very long time. Like the very first renowned Ketan poem called the Gita Govinda by Jayadev, he was in the region of Ra. And even when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came from his homeland to Puri, he travelled through Ra and he even he acknowledged that Ra was a tradition that um, he just acknowledged it and he praised it. So it's been around for a very long time and when I, when I was there researching, I did go to other regions to see if those same Ketan rags, for example, were in the other areas. And no, they weren't. They're specific to that region. So, you know, for example, in New Zealand we have Māori music. Um, you won't find the same Māori music. You won't find that same effect of Māori music in other parts of the world. It's very specifically in New Zealand, Aotearoa, you know. Same in Ra. It's specifically to Ra. It's, it's connected to Ra. And that's a small region, roughly mm. like southwest of Calcutta. Is it's that right? kind of, um, yes, it's about five hours from Calcutta inland, inland, in a small geographical area. It's mostly like West Bengal and the borderlands of the other regions. Ah, oh, okay. It's mostly West Bengal area. Okay, so any any travellers like maps, they can look up yeah. the region. It's right. A, it's it's uh, Purulia district is the heartland of the Ra, of Ra music culture. And you said it's been there for a very long time. Like, how many centuries are we talking? Well, the Gita Govinda was written around the eleventh century. Ah, okay. And um, before that, we have the Baal music, music of the mystic Baals, which has been there, God knows how long. I, you know, more than a thousand years more. And then you've also got the Charyapadas, which is the ancient um, songs from the Buddhist um, practitioners. So it goes back a very long way. I, I wouldn't know exactly how many thousands of years it goes back. Um, so what kind of instruments? I, I know that if someone's listening and they've done some kirtan or heard of it, these days in the West, a lot of people getting together to play kirtan might be playing guitar or might be playing the harmonium uh, and there might be an Indian drum or some percussion. What was the traditional way of singing, chanting, practicing kirtan? I think, um, you know, in the days of, of Jayadeva, for example, you know, in, in my research I came across different recordings or different um, reports saying that he would sing 
and I probably play an instrument, though it's not recorded, and his partner would dance. So even in those days, Kirtan was a combination of dance, instrumental music, and, and singing. And then during Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's days, it was um, in the Charit Armita, um, the, the, um, written by Krishnadas, which is the biography of Chaitanya, he talks about the um, the group com- composed of coal coal players, coal drum players, you know, like the Mudangam, but in the, that part of the world, northeast India, it's called the coal drum. So there's a coal drum, there's the cymbals, and dances. So those two of the main two main instruments are the coal drum and the cymbals. And of course, later on in Ra, they've adopted the the harmonium and other lots of other percussion instruments as well. But the harmonian's role is to support the singer. Just like when I'm there and I play with my kirtan teacher, um, I play guitar, and he likes that. You know, like that. That the role of that is of that instrument is to support the melodic line. Mm, I find that when I lead, it really helps keep people in tune. Yeah. Yeah, because the guitar is a little not as loud, um, yeah. and of course the harmonium came to India. It was an adjustment of the English sitting down pedaled harmonium that the uh, that the British brought over, and they made into a box where they sit. Because st- we still get questions, um, still explain what a harmonium is uh, quite often to people. It basically, sounds like a piano accordion, but it looks like a box yeah, <laughs> with exactly. a with a keyboard. Yeah, it's a lovely instrument. Yeah, and in Ra they carry it around because they're dancing when they're doing kirtan, so they carry it around. It's so heavy, but they carry it with them like. For an hour and a half or so, as they're dancing around the in the temple, it's amazing how much strength they got, or how much energy you can get from doing ketan to be able to carry it around for that long. And you've been practicing ketan for pretty much most of your life. <laughs> so here on the show, we do kind of look at what happened in your midlife because I always find that people had these pivotal kind of changes, maybe big, maybe small. And I wondered from what you said if your research and your practice of kirtan was a main feature of like your late 30s, early 40s, um, or what impact that had. Yeah, that was a time when I was kind of questioning what what am I going to do? What am, What do I want to do with my life? I just got into a relationship and it was a committed relationship and I thought I need to I need to start doing something very concrete in the world and I was looking at what what did I want my career to be be like and be in and that's when I uh, embarked on my masters and um, after eight attempts um, to get my proposal accepted I think the eighth one was accepted and that was to go and do this um, have a look at all the different genres in Ra in India. So I, I started my musical exploration at that age, at that time. Right. Yeah, that's when I started it, I remember. And I think, you know, that was a huge boost for me. It was a really um, a deep time of exploration and gratitude, at just having the opportunity to do that kind of work. And finding immense satisfaction in doing it, um, yeah, definitely that was it. that was it for me. Embarking on my career and and on my musical journey, exploration to that. 
You've done a lot of travel. I know that you've got a number of albums and some of them are recorded live and in different countries. And so that all that's happened since that time where you delved into it or is that over a longer period? Tell us, tell us about your travels. That first, when I went to do my master's research, in those days you were allowed absolute free reign, you know. So I spent eight months in India and doing that research. And um, one of the things I did as well was to compose kirtans when I was there. And those kirtans were all inspired by the places where I was visiting, such as Puri. I went to Puri when they had the, the festival, they called the Car Festival there. Um, I went to that area and I, you know, I was deeply inspired by that. And what so, was the festival? Um, it's called the Car Festival. So it's when they, when they pull the cart through the streets of Puri and they end up at the temple, the Jagannath Temple. And so it's a, an area, it's a time of festivities and celebration and Kirtan's basically going on throughout the festival. So I was, at that time, it was so populated, it was so busy. I was actually standing on the roof of the hotel looking down and I could see all these like pockets of Kirtan, Kirtanias performing Kirtan amongst this huge crowd. It was amazing visually. And so, you know, that area inspired Kirtan and me. And, and also another area where I spent a lot of time was a place called Anandanagar which is in Ra, it's called, it's a word for the city of bliss. And uh, there's a number of what they call spots in that area where people have sat and gained enlightenment. And so those particular rocks or little areas by the riverside are very powerful spiritually. So if you sit there and do meditation there, you get immediately get some charge with some spiritual energy. And so sitting on one of these, what they call tantra pits, or seats of tantra, um, you get this huge rush of spiritual energy. And so that inspired me to write a kirtan as well. So these these different uh, places that I've been to have inspired different melodies, different kirtan melodies. So that was during my period when I was doing my research in Ra, that, that album called Sounds of Silence was, was composed. It was a year long. It was... That album took a year to to make. For eight months of that was in India. And then I came back and I recorded it with my friend Michael Lloyd, who's been my producer ever since that time, since 97. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, wow. So that 97, that was, you were right in the midst of your Uranus opposition and coming to the end of your Neptune square. <laughs> There's your midlife wow. transits right there. Wow. <laughs> Because <laughs> you, I, I do recall you saying at one point as well um, that you were doing, I don't know if it was more, well, le less ethnic and more kind of pop music, but I'm sure I heard you say that um, that you played at Sweetwaters. Was that like the first time round or the second time round? Or yeah, we played at Sweetwaters. The, the time when it went bust, I don't know, was that the second time? That was in, in the late 90s, yeah, one of the iconic New Zealand um, festivals. I know that I was where I was, I think in high school or university at the time, going, oh, yeah, I want to go to a music festival, that sounds cool, and then it was like, bust. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it, was. <laughs> it, was really, it was really a pity because it was a great festival. And, you know, I put together a group with dancers, with 
visuals with stage props and the whole works and uh, it was amazing and it took many months to put that together and it was a combination of of yeah kind of dancey poppy dance alternative dance music and then deeply deeply spiritual music it was a combination of the two because I find the two they can merge together in some instances so I was experimenting with that I did an album in 2000 which was like an alternative dance album and um I got, um, you know, I got funding to make a video f from Air New Zealand, New Zealand on air, sorry, New Zealand on air to make a video for that, for a track called Anything. Um, so I was experimenting that time with, with dance music and Michael was, Michael Lloyd and Chris Banks were producing that with me. Um, so I've done quite a few genres of music. One of those is alternative dance. Because, you know, life is, is, although I was, I was deeply into Kirtan, I was also experimenting with other kinds of music as well. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I find that, yeah, there's, there's different aspects and the Kirtan's amazing and there's other things yeah. to go into too. Yes, exactly. Mm. I found that my music for me has, since the very beginning when I embarked on the spiritual path, or even before that, music for me was, was, already a passion and and so then when I when I did start to do yoga meditation music for me became like um, a way to record my spiritual and emotional life so it's it's come with me it's been my outlet since that time since 1975 it's been it's been my main outlet and so during the years I've put together more than more than 30, 40 albums and some of those are original songs, some of those are Ketans, some of those are music inspired by Ra. Did you say 30 to 40? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's not many when you think about how old I am. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's been the diary of my life. The music is, is, is recorded through my music. And that's mm. what it's intended to be. I kind of felt like that about my albums, but I've only done two and they were seven years apart and I'm due another one. Yeah. <laughs> I'd need to speed up if I want to. Mm -hmm. But it's not a competition. <laughs> it's not. And, you know, in there, there's so many different influences from Ra and from the different countries that I've been when I've been performing, you know, Brazil, Philippines, UK, US. All those places have inspired me deeply and have have also inspired me to collaborate with musicians in those parts. That's what makes it so interesting for me is connecting with musicians in those different places that I go. That's always felt really special to me meeting you. You have always been the connector of many musicians in my experience because that's how, I don't know if that was exactly how we met, but, but we worked together in terms of you coordinated the Kirtan stage when it was very young at a specific yeah. festival that no longer goes on um, mm -hmm. in Auckland, the Kauaiputaputa festivals and uh, always just so inclusive, please come, you know, and it was just so welcoming um, to have that cohesiveness and generosity of spirit to, to bring everyone together so that was that was pretty amazing and in the end there were like too many people to fit on the Kirtan stage slots because Kirtan suddenly boomed and everyone was wanting to perform 
Well, everyone was performing already. They were already performing in their own ashrams, in their own jagradis, in their own temples. They were already doing it, and it's so beautiful to bring that out into the open. Yes. Everyone can partake of that because it's just the best kind of music ever because it's so inclusive and it connects with everybody on a soul level. Yeah, I just realised we didn't say at the beginning that Kirtan is good. So everyone sings it together kind of thing. If you made it this far and <laughs> hadn't looked it up. <laughs> yeah. Ah, and so you mentioned to me recently, because you've been living overseas for a little while, and while and now you're back here in Aotearoa, and you've set up a Kirtan Academy. Mm. Yes, during lockdown in Ireland, I was there. I had gone through a really um, deep change and transformation in my life and I had to get myself together and I was I was inspired I guess prompted to empower myself again and I had been quite down the year before that and um, still doing Kirtan but at a low edge in my life low place and so the idea had been around for some time and then I I felt you know I have a daughter now I have a daughter and I thought, wow, I really need to do something that for her and for me. And so I started, I started this idea and it started with a bang. It was amazing. We started the Ketan Academy in August 2nd, 2020, 2020. And um, we started with a course straight after. So we did an intensive seven-day course on, on Ketan. And um, and it's been going strong ever since then. The latest thing we've been doing is the open mic Ketan night. So, of course, it's online because of COVID. And so we've got people, we had it just two nights ago, we had people from all around the globe coming and sharing their Ketans and sharing where they come from, the story behind them, and and having the support of everybody there, just, you know, giving them feedback and... Um, just it's it's a very supportive environment for people to come and share their soul expression basically it's their soul expression amongst others because so often we do kirtan and we we don't get that feedback and we don't um, get that support it's a spiritual practice but it's also a musical genre that needs that um, support and that encouragement and so this open mic night for example brings together people um, to feel that satsang, to feel that company and amongst other Kirtanias from around the globe. Please, so I will send you a link and anyone who is listening to this is very welcome to come and share their Kirtans. Yeah, and being in a supportive place is so powerful because I, I know that for me, over the years, even if it was, you know, when I was a teenager or even earlier doing like musical theatre and then moving in my 20s um, into the bhajan and then, then the kirtan when I returned to New Zealand was there's so much reflection with music. It is such a personal thing mm. when it's a spiritual practice, but there's whole different levels of of ego to transcend oh, what, what are people thinking of me? You know, are they going to say that it was good or not? Like, that's, I, I've come to the point where, I mean, I, my ego always likes that, I have to admit, but if my voice catches because I haven't supported my breath well enough, 
I actually just don't worry about it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's something about getting older and just not really caring so much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it happens to all of us. And that's the beauty of Ketan because mostly it's sung collectively. So when someone's voice breaks or they run out of air, or there's that support there. Mm. And even though online, of course, they're doing it, we're doing it individually mostly, not always, sometimes there's a group. Um, still, there's that understanding that this is mostly sung collectively, and if we were able to, we normally are singing anyway, muted, but we're singing along with the person when they're sharing their keta. Oh, great. Great. Um, I was just thinking about ketan being loud, and I know that my favourite types are still loud, but maybe not quite so percussive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess with that, there's very, there's kind of different styles of kirtan. There's very Indian, really bassy drums. There's um, more like delicate tabla Indian drum style kirtan. And of course, there's people that get together and, and just sing with a guitar. But I guess as long as it's all loud, it's all doing something in terms of spiritual practice. I mean, You're, even if a person's not singing and just listening, it's still doing something spiritually for that person. It doesn't have to be loud. That's just the definition, you know, that's just the, the core of the of the word kit. But at the same time, you know, there's so many, as you say, there's so many different expressions of kirtan. It can be the most divine, deep, sort of quietish sort of kirtan. Uh, or it can be loud and powerful kirtan. Of course, when it's loud, it's easier to get completely absorbed into it and lose oneself into it. But not always, you know, depends. As you say, like if someone's playing the drum way too loud and you can't hear the, the mantra, for example, then that's not ideal. And so, you know, when we, when we look into the science of kirtan, we talk about all of that stuff, like what does it take to, to uplift a kirtan and have including instrumental music and dance. What does it take? What do we need to consider? There's so many aspects to it. That's something that I was, you know, researching and got a lot of guidance from from being in Ra because they're experts in instrumental music, hmm. especially with the coal rhythms, for example. Like the coal drum is very special because it has that top end, which is very high, has a high sound, and then the low end, which is a very deep sound. And... Um, some, you know, I've heard said to me before that the the top end resonates with our Sahasra chakra, whereas the wide, the deep sound resonates with our Anahat chakra and helps inspires us to dance. So even the drum itself has in Ra has this deep spiritual significance. Oh, I love that. So it's connecting the crown to the heart. Yeah, mm. connecting the two and inspiring us to move as well as to go deep into our spiritual connection with the divine. So the cold drum is the science behind it. And when they play those rhythms, they're playing with that with that sound and with that. Like it is really a divine play, a leela, in terms of their, you know, leela between the lover and the beloved, Krishna Radha. It's a leela, it's a divine play. And that's what they're ideating upon. That's what they're feeling and thinking about when they're playing the drum. They can, you know, they think of the cold drum as being 
um, lovers, like one side is Krishna, one side is Radha, and when they're playing it, they're they're experiencing that divine love play, you might say, between the two divine lovers. So they're right in that path, they're in that mood of divine love when they're playing the cold drum. And then the cartels or the symbols are accentuating the rhythm so that the dancers can stay on track, the dancers can come in on the strong beat. So there's a whole science behind it, and that's what we explore in the Kitan Academy. Oh, I might have to um, come along because I know that playing the cartels, the symbols, that the way that I've learnt vaguely, not officially, but to play is the the symbol kind of crash, I guess. Well, it's not really crash, tinkle, the ding, um, <laughs> comes on the opposite to our Western pop music. And I know if I grab a tambourine or something and I play my usual kirtan kind of rhythm, I get really awkward, painful looks from Western <laughs> musicians if I'm playing along with them. And then I have to kind of reset and go, oh, I'm going to put them off. So I need to change the way I'm doing it to go on the offbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Yeah, there's different theories about that, um, but it's a beautiful exploration. It's just so much fun to explore that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that Kirtan is even, or Pajan singing is, is so powerful. I mean, the yoga ashram that I've been involved with comes from the North India Swami Shivananda, and he always said, San Kirtan is, is the fastest way to enlightenment. Yeah, that's what they believe in Ra too. They believe that this is the way to God and, and that's their only spiritual practice. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu believed the same. Um, personally, I love to do kirtan and then sit and do meditation. Mm. All of that spiritual energy that's been aroused then gets absorbed deep, deeply, deep within, inwardly. So it's very nourishing spiritually to sit and meditate afterwards. Yeah, that's a, that's a goodie. We'll have to do some more kirtan. <laughs> so you're talking about midlife crisis, and, and I think one of the times you sent me was like the mid-80s, and I was thinking about that because that was the time when, when we were instigating the Mamata, the um, cooperative, women's cooperative bakery. Was that a co-op when it began? It was a woman's cooperative bakery when it started in 85. We had the opening in 85. Graylin in Auckland. That was right when, I think that was one of the times you gave me. And I was thinking, yeah, that's interesting because that was also like a very important time in my life. So that was your Saturn return. So that's around 29 and it comes change or responsibility a real shift. Um, I know that the teacher I, I'm working with a lot at the moment, Marta Dalian, she talks about th- around that time, that late 20s, is when young adults turn into adults. Yeah. I can really relate to that because that was a, that was a project that transformed my life. And it was not just... Um, it was not just about making a bakery and making some new products and being economically making an economically viable project. It was also about collaboration and working together with other women and experiencing that for the first time, what it was like to work collaboratively and being there for each other. 
having meetings till three in the morning if need be, you know, to work through stuff. So it was very powerful transformation for me. That yeah. Point. And a lot of inner, inner turmoil also, like a lot of challenges in that too, going through our own stuff and being there for others as they go through their own stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. One stage we had like 17 women working there and all going through their stuff, you know, all going through their stuff. Wow. Amazing. They'd come to work. And some some would be crying as they're, you know, doing the dishes or going through things. But because of that environment being so supportive and just being like a really sacred space, they were able to go through it. And we we, we would always play Kirtan. We'd play Kirtan or that, I don't know if you remember that tape called Kath and Innie, Affirmations by Kath and Innie. It was a... It was an amazing tape, a cassette in those days. So that would be going around the clock as well. It's affirmations for women, plus kirtan, plus other kind of spiritual music like Prabhat Sangeet, which is devotional songs. And so that music would be would be filling the atmosphere with you know, love and support, spiritual vibes. So women would come in there, get away from their homes and their families and be able to process what they were going through. Mm. While doing the dishes, while sweeping the floors, while making the bagels, you know, this kind of stuff. They do good bagels. Last time I had some. Yeah, um, yeah I worked in the ashram in Canada in the kitchen quite a lot. And we, we had lots of cassette tapes that we played as well with, with mantra yeah. and, and um, bhajans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something about um, about doing that simple work while that's infusing the atmosphere that yes this beautiful peace around it though mm. if things got really loud and we're trying to like get stuff on the table in time and <laughs> sometimes we couldn't really hear the mantra so much but I have very fond <laughs> memories of of Sundays when it was just a few of us girls and we used to sing amazing grace and do three-part <laughs> harmony just to pass the time while we were making dinner. It was, yeah. Yeah. It's the best time, yeah. When we're all engaged and doing something, some service work usually, and then singing Ketan along with it is very nourishing. Mm. Wow. Lots of, lots of great memories in life for sure. Yeah, it sounds like those kind of pivotal points of the astrological transits, um, yeah, there was quite a bit going on, especially, wow, eight months in India. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Can't imagine how many times you might have got sick from from some kind of bug. (laughs) Exactly, especially in those days. Yeah, yeah. It was hard to get good food and uh, hard to get good water. We had to, you know, take... Filters with us in those days. You couldn't buy it. You had to take filters. So it's probably more reliable. Yeah. <laughs> now it's easy. Now it's so much easier now in India. Mm, but more plastic. That's true. Yeah. So how can we find the Kirtan Academy, and how do we find your music? And yeah, um, the Kirtan Academy. We have a website. It's www.kirtanacademy, one word. And the kirtan has two I's in it. Uh, that's how it's pronounced in Sanskrit. So it's K-I-I-R-T-A-N, academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-Y.com. And um, also I can um, 
If anyone's interested, they can email me at uh, joshnalatrobe at gmail.com. That's J-Y-O-S-N-A-L-A-T-R-O-B-E at gmail.com. And I can send you any information that you want to know about it. And where's your music? Is it on some of the online platforms? Or? Yes, it's on it's on all the um, so it's on Spotify, it's on Bandcamp, it's on Inner Song, which is a company in America that uh, distributes ketans called InnerSong.us, but also a Spotify and all of the major um, music media. And my latest project is um, one called Unity Hours, and these songs are these are songs. Um, and these are songs of my spiritual journey, ranging from the time when I was doing my PhD in, in, in England from about 2008 to the present day. So I've just completed Unity Hours 4 in Ireland, which was an amazing place to record that. I recorded it in a, in a studio where most traditional musicians had recorded and in an area where a lot of traditional music is happening. And so I was really um, honoured to be able to play with some amazing um, uh, Ilian pipe players, for example, and uh, other traditional music musical instruments like um, like traditional players playing cello and so forth, and um, banjo and these kind of things. So the, this album, which isn't out yet, which will be out soon hopefully, um, is songs written in Ireland during that period when I was really trying to get myself up again. So there's lots of songs, um, there's some songs which talk about that, sort of a breakup that I'd been through and, and then songs about letting go and songs about love and all kinds of things. So that's that's coming out soon. Um, and that will be put up on Spotify and so forth. Yeah. Great. I suspect that period of time may have been around, um, well, we, Uranus opposition is part of the midlife, but then there's it goes around and then the Uranus is uh, square. So instead of being oh. 180 degrees, it's at 90 degrees from where it was at birth, and sounds to me like that might have been that period of time, like a bit of a shake, like a big shake around. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been it, truly, because that's when I started the Kirtan Academy. There's always two sides of things, isn't there? There's the there's the impetus that comes out of it, but then there's also the period beforehand, which is a bit tough, challenging, and then there's the the new the new inspiration that comes from it. So. Yeah, it must be some something to do with that. Mm. Hence, I'm doing this show. I'm in the lead up to to my big shake up. So I'm like, okay, how can I go through this a bit more peacefully? But I think what I've learned so far from interviewing people, um, especially my astrology teacher and also Human Design New Zealand um, founder, was really I just have to go with the flow and do my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because with, with deep with deep change, there's both sides of the story, isn't there? There's the pain, and then there's the ecstasy. Pain and ecstasy. Yeah. Thanks so much, Joshna. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. For music today, of course, it had to be Kirtan related. 
I had a beautiful track in mind, recorded just a couple of weeks ago at Joshna's request that the Divine Feminine play and share Kirtan by All Women to coordinate with a New Zealand Yoga Day festival that only featured male Kirtanists. However, it is a Kirtan melody I learned elsewhere and it doesn't align with my intention of releasing original music. So today there are two tracks. <laughs> the first is a short mantra that a work colleague actually sent me a link to something she said, wow, this is amazing, uh, it's changed my life, you should listen to it. And when I listened to it, I was like, oh right, yeah, I've known this for years. It's a Shanti mantra that I've chanted abundantly uh, as part of Havan fire ceremonies. And that was especially while living at Rockland Ashram in Australia in 2009. A melody came through while I was kind of seeing what I could come up with inspiration for this month around. So this is the original music for today. The mantra is the Purnamada Purnamidam Shanti Mantra. It has a few different translations and here is a lovely one. You are the fullness. There is fullness. Here is fullness. From the fullness, the fullness is born. Remove the fullness from the fullness and the fullness alone remains. That was F-U-L-L, not F-O-O-L, just in case my accent created any kind of confusion. The second is the track that Emma Scallon and I recorded the other week for the project with Joshna. We were two of the founding members, Emma and I, of a music group called Shakti Sacred Music, and we were active 2011 through to 2017. And we played often on the Kirtan stage that Joshna organised, that we spoke about in the interview. It was a time where we didn't have a lot of phones or social media, and we don't have a huge amount of social media presence or very many recordings either. What we're singing here is the Gayatri Mantra. It's a very well-known mantra around the world. I first came across it before I found yoga even. It was in a rune book by Ralph Bloom that I came across in 2001, and his translation is actually my favourite. You, who are the source of all power, whose rays illuminate the whole world, illuminate also my heart, so I too may do your work. Little did I know that I would chant this many times in the future. The melody is one I learned while living at Yashodra Ashram in Canada. I don't know who wrote the melody, whoever you are, whenever it was written, thank you, you gave us a great gift. Here's Om Purnamada, followed by the Gayatri Mantra. Om. Hey. 
Punat Purnamodachate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti Shanti Shanti
Unraveling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com Theme music is by Sarah Marlow Spence and Saraspati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn. <laughs>